0: What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't it wonderful to worship God together? Why don't we thank our team one more time for leading us? And you can take your seats. Well, today, we have called today Freedom Day. I don't know if you've seen any of our social media or um, our slides in the last few weeks. But today we've called it Freedom Day. Freedom Day uh, and it's because we want to take a moment to raise awareness about something in the, in the world today that we want to see changed and it's the, the situation that 40 million people are in in the world today and that's slavery and so we're raising awareness about that for just a moment in our service today because we know that you, know, you need to see something to be able to change something. You need to be able to know about something to do something about it. And so this morning, we want to just take this moment right now to say, hey, there's a problem in this world that we want to be a part of the solution for. And the problem is that there are men, women and children in the world today in utter, in captivity, and they need to be free. And so we as a church, we partner with this incredible organisation called uh, International Justice Mission. And they are on mission to eradicate slavery in this lifetime. Uh, And they they work all around the world... And so we are going to show you in just a moment one story of one woman who was able to be released from slavery because of the work that IJM do. There's all kinds of different ways people find themselves in slavery today. None of it's intentional, but so often it's out of need and poverty. And so we want to be part of the solution, don't we, church? And we are as we work together with IJM. And here's just one story of a woman whose life was changed because of the work that IJM do. So why don't we have a look at that as we before we move on this morning? <laughs>
1: such as, she converted toaltung in Eva expressions. Only Pop with anogie in me, in mind, around சாதனம் தான் நான் செஞ்சு. அது சரின்னு சொல்லிட்டு நான் கோண கூட வேலைக்கு போய்ட்டு எல்லா பொம்பளையில வேல செய்றாங்கன்னு and எல்லா பொம்பளینگ கூட நானும் கலந்து போய் வேல செஞ்சேன். வேலை செய்யும்போது எனக்கு பக்கத்துல இருக்குறேன் சொன்னா வேலைக்கு வந்த எதுக்கு வந்தே እንதான மோசமானனு நினைச்சு என்கிட்ட அந்த நேர நான் நம்பல. நீ வேலை that to me, came to like aNI dando thing to say. It was a joke. I won't ask if anyone stopped at the minute that time. That's what he was doing. No one does kill us. He must Dah lama ni balik-balik dan soltan dah lama yang lari cah. Hendak kau dorang buat na dah sentap potey. Yang yang paling lari kerja itu minna The diary <Sanly> is a diary. The diary <Sanly> is a diary. The diary 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 is a The a in a dining son, I buy the Gauri, Uncatonian Angurco, Nanga Kandipo Nakapa do. One day Nakapa and Niganai and pulling the die under Made. Rumbus on those smurg, and I am pulling Padikit Nalin, Rumbus on those smurg. Nana eat the cuttinger, unless ஒரு those smurglinger. He not company, Pono. He is not a teacher, ಅದು padici پڑھی நல்லಾ ನೆಗಲ್ಲದಾ ವೇಳೆ ಸೇಯನ ಮಾತ್ರ ಯನ್ನ ಮೇರು ಸುಗಂಧರನ ಇಮ್ಮಡಿಯ ಸಂತೋಷ marquéeನಲ್ ಪೆಟ್ಟಾ ನಾನು ಆಲ್ತಾ ಪೇಸ್ರೆ ಸಿದಿಕ್ಕೆ ರೇ ಆಡಮರಮ ಇರಕೇ ಪಲ್ಲಿಗಳಾಟೆ ಸಂತೋಷಮಾಗಿ ಇಕ್ರೆ ಊರ್ ತಾಯಾ ಇರುತ್ತನಲ್ಲ ಎನ್ನು
0: What an incredible story, isn't it? of someone who is free now today because of the work of IJM. And uh, we are excited to continue to work and and partner with this amazing organisation. And in a couple of weeks, we are going to give our annual giving to this organisation. And so we mentioned this today just to let you know that if you would like to give to this organisation, please feel free over the next week or so to make a contribution to our mission and uh, we will be sending that money over very soon. Because we want to make a difference in this space. IJM is an incredible organisation. I love their vision, and I said it before, the vision of IJM, end slavery in this lifetime. What an incredible vision. And they are on mission to see that come about. Has anyone ever asked you your mission statement? Has anyone ever asked you, what, what are you pursuing in your life. I like this question, what is your mission statement? Because it's asking a little bit more than just, do you have something written down, but it's asking, what are you pursuing in your life? What do you want your life to look like at the end of your life, when you look back on your life? What do you want to see? What has it been about? And I love having the idea of having a mission statement because it gives you a focus. It gives you a framework of what you can make decisions by because when you know where you're going, then you know that you can make the decisions to get there. But if you, don't have a, if you don't have a mission, if you don't know where you're going, it's hard to know whether you get there or not. So I love having a mission statement. The team, at, uh, our staff team, tease me all the time because whenever we talk as a staff about different ideas of what we want to do as a church, and there's so many things we want to do, but I'm always asking, what's the goal? What's the goal? So that I know how to get there, how to get to the end, because I know what the end result is going to look like. And that's a bit like a mission statement. A mission statement helps us, gives us a framework for where we're going to go. And I love IJM's mission and vision. But Jesus also had a mission, and he had a mission statement which I love. And I love that Luke in his gospel shares it with us. And so we're going to look at that today. And and in, in this time, in the next few minutes, as we share together, that's what we're going to be looking at, Jesus' mission and what he shared through the gospel of Luke. And we find it in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 22. Let's have a look at it together. It happens in Jesus' life right after He has been out in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights being tempted by the devil. So it's at the very start of his ministry life. And I love that we get to see it right at the start. Luke shares with it right at the beginning what Jesus' life is going to be about. So he says this. After the 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue that day were fastened on him and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. I love that Luke shared this with us. I feel like when we read it, we already get an amazing understanding and sense of who Jesus is and what he was about when he came to live on this life. We can see, just by by thinking about it for a moment, Jesus came to see those who others chose to ignore. Jesus came to help those others didn't want to help. And touch and, and help and bring healing to those who didn't others didn't want to bring healing to. He came to bring justice to those who needed justice. And provision for those who were poor and needed provision. He came to bring freedom from those in captivity. And release for the oppressed. From those that were burdened. Jesus came to change lives, didn't he? He came to bring hope and to bring transformation to people's lives. He had compassion. Don't you think this whole verse is just full of compassion for others? And not only did he feel it, but he acted on it. And so when we've, what we learn about Jesus at first glance with this scripture is just so much of his love and his compassion and how it was going to be outworked in his life. But I love this scripture because there's actually, we can take a deeper look at it. And when we take a deeper look, we actually get to see so much more about what Jesus was saying in that moment. It's kind of like, have you ever been given a gift? Hopefully all of us. But being given a gift and you unwrap it and you, there's a beautiful gift there but there's also another one inside. Have you ever had one of those happen to you? I love that. It's like you get to unpack this beautiful gift and you receive something lovely and there's another little surprise in there as well. Well, that's what this scripture is like because we already have this incredible gift as we learn about who Jesus is, as we see his mission. But when we take a closer look we can unwrap a whole nother gift which is more amazing information as we learn about who Jesus is. So we're going to do that. And the first thing we can learn as we take a closer look at this scripture comes from the fact that he read from Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 was a prophecy. It was written in the Old Testament for the people to have hope for a future. You know, in Jesus' time, the Israelites they were actually oppressed under Roman rule, and they were hoping and waiting for someone to come and bring uh, bring them out of that oppression, bring them out of captivity. And this scripture was a beacon of hope for them. When it was read, it was it was known by the Israelite people at the time by the Jews. They were waiting for a Messiah. They were waiting for a Deliverer. They were waiting for someone to come and help them get out of that Roman rule. And it was a, it was a scripture that was filled with hope because they knew it was a promise that someone would come and they would be released. Yeah. And Jesus read from that that day and he said, it's the year of the Lord's favour. So the second thing we learn is when we take a little closer look at what this phrase means, the year of the Lord's favour. I don't know about you, but for a long time when I read this verse, and I love Isaiah 61, I think it's just always so compelling and exciting to know that this is what Jesus, his mission was. But the year of the Lord's favour, I never knew quite what that meant. I was always like, oh, well, it's going to be a good year. woo!" <laughs> and I would claim that like, yes, it's going to be a great year every year, so that's good. But actually when we look at it, it refers to the year of Jubilee which was written in the law of Moses, an awesome instruction from God, the year of Jubilee would be a year of celebration. It would take place for the Jews every 50 years as a time where they would celebrate and it would also be an incredible time where God sort of put in to the instruction in the law of Moses a way that the Israelite people could protect themselves from generational poverty and debt because every 50 years in this year of Jubilee, slaves were set free. If you're a slave, you were set free every 50 years. Debt was wiped, debts were wiped clean. The land would be restored to its original owner. And it was once, it was a once in a lifetime event. Even that year, no one would work the fields. The fields would rest. People would rest. We would celebrate. People would be set free, debts were cancelled. It was a year of celebration. This was going to be amazing. The year of Jubilee was a good time. It was an exciting time. And if you were a slave, it was a great year because things would be restored. Your life would be restored. Your freedom would be restored. And Jesus says, the time has come. The year of Jubilee can be read from an exciting time for an individual, But also for the time when the Jews were reading this in Jesus' time, it had become that beacon of hope for the nation, because the nation were enslaved. They were under Roman rule, and as a nation, they wanted to be set free, and they were waiting for their deliverer to set them free. The year of Jubilee embodies Sabbath rest, holy worship, forgiveness, because the debts are clean. Slaves are set free. And also freedom. And so Jesus says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The third thing that we learn as we take a closer look at this scripture is that actually Jesus, and I love this, Jesus sneaks in a reference to a different scripture, Isaiah 58. And Isaiah 58 is a prophecy, uh, sorry, it's a scripture written about true worship, written by Isaiah what is true worship and Isaiah 58 is all about it and Jesus sneaks in just one little line from Isaiah 58 as he reads from Isaiah 61 that day in Nazareth and it's a reference from this element in Isaiah 58 verses 6 and 7. Let's read it together. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cord of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked, clothe him and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? This is true worship. This is what worship looks like. This is what it is to worship me. It's to care and love others. So what does Jesus say in this mission statement that day in Nazareth? He's saying... The time has come. Good news is coming to the poor. Freedom is coming to the prisoners. The blind will see. The oppressed will be set free. Jubilee is here. The new day is here. What does that mean? Forgiveness is here. Forgiveness of debt. Slaves will be free. Land will be restored. Israel will be released. This is the time you're delivered from your enemies. In fact, I'm your deliverer. That's what he's saying. I'm the one you've been waiting for. And he says as true worship is outworked on this day of jubilee. In this new day, the chains of injustice will be broken. The cord of the yoke will be untied. The oppressed will be set free. The people who are hungry will have food. The poor wanderer will have shelter. The naked will be clothed. And forgiveness will be there because, it says, and not we will not turn away from our own flesh and blood. Forgiveness has come. So Jesus is saying, guys, Jubilee is here. I'm the one bringing it. And this is what it's going to look like. I don't know about you, but it's exciting, don't you think? What a a message. What a good day that that's going to be. The day of Jubilee is here. Freedom is here. What a day of celebration, a year of celebration, a time, a season, a forever of celebration. But I think for the people in Nazareth that day, the Jews of that day, this was a pretty hard, hard thing to hear. <laughs> I think it was pretty massive. It was a lot to take in. So Jesus record, oh, sorry, Luke records what happened after he finished reading. Let's read. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were on him. Fair enough. Now we can understand why. That was like a massive moment. And he begins by saying, today this scripture is fulfilled. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they ask? They're like, hang on, we know this guy. We know Jesus. Nazareth at the time would have been a town of maybe 400 people. That's a small town. If you grow up in a town of 400, who's done that, by the way? It's a small like community. You know everyone. Everyone knows you. Everyone knew Jesus. They had seen him as a wee small boy. And they've seen him grow up and now here he is standing as the guest preacher in the synagogue and he's saying, jubilee is here. The time has come. Oppression is over. The year of jubilee has happened. It's right now. And everyone's like, hang on, this is Joseph's son. And then he goes on. Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard you do in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that when there were widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any one of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one of them were cleansed, only Naaman, the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, they drove him out of town, they took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. What a powerful change turnaround, don't you think? One minute they're speaking well of him, the next minute, they want to kill him. What a crazy turnaround. What happened? Well, two things. Two things happened that seemed to just change the dynamic of that day, if that's for sure. Firstly, it wasn't what he said, but it's what he didn't say. Let's read again from Isaiah 61, because we're going to find that Jesus missed a whole line That was very important to the Jews that day and what they were expecting. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord, of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and proclaim the day of vengeance of our God and proclaim the day of vengeance of our god. Jesus didn't read that. Jesus stopped at the year of jubilee, at the year of the Lord's favor. He didn't read the last bit about the vengeance of God. I guess if you're in captivity and if you're in under oppression, you would assume that the way you would be released is by the removal, perhaps violently of those who are oppressing you. And I think that's what the Jews of the time thought. But Jesus didn't talk about that. He just said the day of the the year of the Lord's favor is here. He didn't speak vengeance. He spoke only of grace and love and celebration. Secondly, Jesus says, "Look at Elijah, look at Elisha. Though there were people in need in Israel at the time that they were prophets. Actually, they were sent to the Gentiles. They were sent to the enemy to bring healing. You know, Naaman, who was healed of leprosy, he was healed and he was the commander of the army attacking Israel in his day. Incredible. So, what was, and then Jesus refers to these moments as he reads that the year of Jubilee is coming. So, what is Jesus saying? Jubilee is coming, freedom is coming, but I'm not bringing vengeance, I'm bringing grace to our enemies. Jubilee is coming, but not only for Israel, but for all people, for all nations. And that's what the crowd got wild over, and not good wild really bad wild jubilee freedom liberty justice compassion love grace amazing but for all people the people who will benefit will be the wrong people the outsiders the foreigners the oppressors the unclean they aren't worthy and that's what got them upset that day there's a key theme that we hear in that and it's forgiveness Jesus was saying, vengeance is not coming. We're going to be free through grace. And grace is full of forgiveness, isn't it? And yet when we think about it, it's exactly what Jesus continued to speak about his entire ministry life. Forgiveness is a major theme and a huge component to our faith. We are in relationship with God because Jesus came and forgave us our sins. Luke chapter 4 verse 4 as Jesus teaches us about how to pray through the Lord's prayer. He says, "Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us." And Luke chapter 6 verse 27 to 36. This is a such a wonderful hard scripture to read. Let's look at it together. But to you who are listening, this is Jesus speaking. I say, "Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you." And pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on your one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Does anyone else find that such a hard word? Every time I read that, and this week it's been many times as I've prepared for this message, but every time I read it, I find something else that God stirs in my heart about. I feel like there's so many ways that I can just be more generous and be more loving as I read that. But Jesus was all about forgiveness. He was all about forgiveness. He brought a revolutionary word about love. But what I love about Jesus, I love reading about Luke from Luke is that Jesus not only knew why he came, he not only talked the talk, but he walked the walk. Jesus lived out a life of love. And that love is what expands his kingdom. That is what brings jubilee to all. He was expanding his kingdom. He's going to bring kingdom and jubilee rule to rule and reign and freedom to everybody through love. Jesus' ministry showed us exactly what he was all about. He healed, helped, set free, went to the women and the children, the outcast, the lame, the leper, the Jew and the Gentile alike. Jesus lived a life of love. And in Luke 4... I love it because I love that he could put together in a small, like in just one piece, this is what I'm about and it helps me. I, like, I learn about Jesus and I know that this is what he's about. The Gospel of Matthew doesn't talk about this situation that happened in Nazareth, this story of when Jesus talked in the synagogue that day and shared from Isaiah 61. Matthew doesn't share about it but he does talk about what happened at that time at the start of Jesus' ministry. And while Luke shares a little bit about Jesus saying what's going to happen and what is happening, Matthew just talks about this is what I saw. This is what was going on at the the start of Jesus' ministry. So I want to share that with you because I love how they mirror each other, though they're, they're written differently. So at the start of Matthew, again, right after Jesus has left the desert of forty days and forty nights, being with, um, yeah, being with the devil, he comes back, <laughs> and Matthew writes this: Jesus began to preach, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near." As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. "Come, follow me," Jesus said and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went through Galilee then, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralysed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan, they came and they followed him. I feel like this beautifully just mirrors a little bit what Luke's saying. Luke's specifically looking at what, Luke, uh, what Jesus said he came to do. Matthew just looked at the evidence. Matthew's like, this is what's happening. Lives are being changed. Lives are being transformed. Matthew doesn't talk about Jubilee, but he's saying Jubilee is here with what he sees Jesus doing. Yeah. Jesus' ministry was just all about love, love for others, And I love that as we look at Jesus' life and we learn about him like we are today, as we look at what he was about, his his mission statement, but also how he chose to live it out. It's summed up perfectly in what he tells us in in his lifetime is the greatest commandment. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 to 40, Someone asks Jesus in one of his moments of teaching, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God love others. And didn't, as we read today, didn't Jesus just embody that so perfectly? A life full of love for others, a life serving others, a life poured out for others, a life that he gave so that we and others can have freedom, so that we aren't held in captivity, but a life lived so that others can know his healing and know the freedom that comes from knowing him and his peace. There's a, a wonderful song called Jubilee and our team know it and we wanted to share it with you this morning because it so beautifully shares about what we're talking about and then I'm going to come back and pray.
2: upon me, I'm anointed to bring home, the promise fulfilled in a moment, we're still watching it unfold, there's good news for the captive, a proclamation for every soul, this liberty is for the broken, an invitation to be made whole, Listen for the free men singing, he's living me. Look out for the woman shouting, he's gone and made me clean. Listen up for the seasons changing, he's rebuilding everything. Listen for the people shouting, this is jubilee, Upon me, I'm anointed to bring home The promise of feeling moment, we're still watching it unfold. There's good news for the captain, a proclamation for every soul. This limit is for the broken and invisible. Listen for the free man singing, he's delivering me. Look out for the woman shouting, his garment made me clean. Listen up for the seasons changing, he's rebuilding everything. Listen for the people shouting, this is you. Open your heart and believe it. There is a hope to believe in Jesus. Jesus, there is true joy in his freedom. So open your heart and receive it. There is a hope to believe in Jesus. Jesus, there is a joy in his freedom. So open your heart and believe There is a hope to believe in Jesus, Jesus There is true joy in his freedom So open your heart and receive it There is a hope to believe in Jesus, Jesus Listen for the free man singing He's delivering me Look out for the woman For the people shouting, This is Jubilee, this is Jubilee. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Oh, can you hear it? This is the sound, this is the sound. This is the sound of jubilee This is the sound This is the sound This is the sound of jubilee This is the sound This is the sound This is the sound of jubilee Listen for the free man singing He's delivering me Look out for the woman shouting come and made me clean Listen up, for the season's changing. He's rebuilding everything. Listen for the people shouting, This is Jubilee.
0: This is Jubilee. And Jubilee is now. That freedom that Jesus ushered in the one that he spoke about and said, it's here now. It hasn't finished. It's here for us. It's for here, here for you and me now, today. The year of Jubilee is ongoing as we enter into the freedom that Jesus gives us as we are in relationship with him. I want to pray this morning. Why don't you bow your head? I want to pray that we would know his freedom. Maybe you're here this morning and you know Jesus, but maybe you're in a, in a time where you're feeling broken, where you're feeling weighted down, where you've got a yoke on your back. Maybe you're here and you're feeling like you're in captivity without hope. Maybe you don't know the way out of a situation. Maybe you're here and you know God's love, Jesus' love as a concept but maybe you don't think it's for you. I want to pray this morning that each of us, as we leave today, would have a a a renewed sense of understanding that we are in complete relationship with God who loves us so intentionally that Jesus lived this intentional life. He died an intentional death so that you and I, can have the freedom that comes in knowing our King and our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords and God the Father who created us, who knows us intimately, who cares for us, who has a plan for us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you know us. We thank you that you came and you lived this life full of love, a life full of intentionality, of compassion. Lord, you went to those who didn't the others didn't think deserved it. You went and you opened your heart and you opened Jubilee up to everybody, Lord. And we thank you that you showed us the life that you lived is full of love. You showed us what love looks like and you showed us how we can do that too as we love others. I pray that each of us here today will know your love, that we will know that you did all that for us. And Lord, I pray that you will help each of us today know that we also can love others the same way you loved others. I pray that you'll help help each of us today as we leave. Think about maybe bringing our mission statement in line with your mission statement of loving others, of being... Um, intentionally pouring our lives out so that others would know you and know your freedom and know your joy and know the healing that comes from knowing you, Lord. And we pray that you will help us, help us join you on mission. I pray in Jesus' name. And for those this morning, Lord, that maybe this is the first time they've heard about this Jesus. I'm so glad that they're here, Lord, and I pray that through your Holy Spirit you will help them to rest in the knowledge of your love for them and that they will be so um, excited to learn more about you and that you would reveal yourself to them, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.